Welcome to Stuck in Misery, the best Midwest sports talk podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bergen. Today's guest is a dear friend of mine. We met working together at WBIR, the NBC affiliate in Knoxville, Tennessee. And now Daniel Secton is the morning anchor at WHAS 11, the ABC affiliate in Louisville, Kentucky. Danny Ocean, how are you, my friend? What's up, man? I'm good. I'm uh, sitting uh, business on top, boxers on bottom like everyone else these days, and uh, happy to be here. We're psyched to have you on. And the reason for Daniel's appearance on today's episode of Stuck in Misery is Saturday marks the 146th Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs. Daniel, I wanted to ask you, what's the sentiment around this year's Derby? Totally depends on who you ask. Um, I think in the beginning, it was just like, this is going to be the Derby with the asterisks. So I remember when it got postponed, people were like, you know, Derby hasn't been postponed except for one other time. Or, and they, they did, did the Derby through the world wars. And so it was like, this can't be postponed. Then when we heard it was going to be postponed, myself included, we all ran out and we bought like the Derby Cup with the wrong date on it, assuming that this would be the year you could have two Derby Cups and two dates. And that was like, back then, that was the most of our worries. Well, now there's so much going on behind the Derby. They, three separate announcements said, first, ah, we're going to do it, but we don't know how many fans. Then we agreed with the governor on the number of fans we wanted to do. Then a third announcement that's like no fans. So you can see they were just trying so hard to hold on to this. Now that's pandemic related. Then at the same time, you know, Louisville is one of the epicenters for the Black Lives Matter movement right now with Breonna Taylor and her case still developing. And so you have one group that's saying, should we or should we not have the Derby right now because there's a pandemic? Then you have another group of people who are saying, should we or should not have the Derby right now because we're in such a period of social unrest? So for so many reasons, depending on who you ask, we should or shouldn't have the Derby. And I mean, it's just... I can't imagine there have been many derbies like this where the conversation has nothing to do with the horses. In several years ago, when our mutual friend, our buddy Durbin, moved to Louisville, we were so excited, Durbin and I, to attend an event that yeah. had generations of history. Again, this is the 146th running of this historic event. And it's going to be so strange to see Churchill Downs without fans in the stands and scattered throughout the infield where all kinds of debauchery happens year in and year out. I remember when they announced that they were going to postpone it. And it was exactly like you were saying, Daniel. It was like, this hasn't happened since like 1945, where we've now decided to take this event that's always held every single year, the first Saturday in May. And now we've got this September race in what will now be the second leg of the Triple Crown. We're in unprecedented times right now, Daniel. When you think about it, all of the things that make the Derby the magical thing that it is, uh, for the most part, are, are not going to be in place this year. And so just living in Louisville, it's kind of funny because, you know, for someone who's seen the Derby once but doesn't live in this area, it's like, wow, this track is going to look so weird without fans. But in Louisville, it's kind of like, well, it's going to look like a normal week at the track because they're racing, you know, all the time. And you can go to a track on an empty day and see it. But what's really interesting to me is around Derby time, you have the same conversations. You know, is it going to rain or not this year? Because it's like a 50-50 chance of rain. If you've ever been stuck in the rain in the infield, it is terrible. And then uh, it's, well, what horse is the front runner? And honest to God, man, I have not heard a single person talk about a horse. And it's the only event where – 
it's an athletic event and horses matter, people don't. And you learn that very quickly. Like no one, you'd hear about the jockeys, but it's all about the horses. And I have not heard anyone say a word about a horse. I hear you there. And we'll get into the odds a little bit later in the pod. But in terms of the infield, the last several years that I've gone, when it rains, you either have to completely embrace the rain and have your poncho and understand that if you're dressed to the nines, what you're wearing might very well get ruined, or you have to just kind of hunker down underneath the grandstands and everything and stay dry and everything. So it's kind of depends on what your approach is there. I kind of think my personal mentality on this, and granted, I haven't been going to the Derby for decades, but I do have family members who have. And I think if the rain is bothering you in the infield, you're not having enough fun in the infield. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you have to embrace it. But then again, you might not want to wear your finest linens, if you will. You know, it, it's that's something that where it's like, look, if, if you're going to embrace the rain and, and the mud and the slop and everything, you know, your, your Saturday's finest might very well be ruined. Well, it's totally a, a gamble, right? Like everything else at the Derby. It's either you go and you do wear your nicest shoes and your whitest linens, as you say, or you go prepared and maybe, you know, you do have some of your nice clothes, but your khakis aren't your newest and you have rain boots and you might not need them, but when it unloads, which it does every other derby, I mean, it's a 50-50 chance statistically that it's going to rain. You are so happy that you had those rain boots and you are so happy that you're not the guy that you're watching trudging, you know, knee deep through water in his alligator loafers that he bought just for this occasion. You're like, oh man. Like you said, Daniel, it's kind of hit or miss. It's kind of a coin flip. I also wanted to ask you about today, when this race was postponed in March, it was just such a different world. What do you remember about when that announcement came down in March that the Derby would not happen the first Saturday in May? Well, it was surrounded by so many other announcements, right? That, that time of year, everything was getting postponed and everything was getting pushed back. And it was a real test for Louisville because everyone kept saying, could they really do it to the Derby? Like, could they really postpone the Derby? And I think when they finally did, maybe that, um, from my perspective at least, was a moment when a lot of people here said, gosh, this is really serious. Because that's just something in this town that doesn't budge. So I think it just put even more weight on the whole pandemic and um, the seriousness of it as far as health risk goes. It's like, well, if we are willing to postpone the thing that puts us on the map on a global scale, we need to take this seriously. Absolutely. And I remember when this did get postponed to September, we have a group text with some of our friends and we were saying, well, we want to go in September because this is going to be so unprecedented throughout history. And you could say, you know, we were actually there for yeah. this event. Now, obvious, for obvious reasons, that's not happening. But when this initially came down to, remember, University of Kentucky initially moved up its opening week college football game to allow fans to both go to that event, which is now not happening. Kentucky won't play until the end of September now. But initially, it was going to be the opening weekend of college football. And this was just going to be 
this plethora of different sports options. Now, of course, they're still running the Derby this upcoming Saturday, but I just remember that text message where it's like, yeah, we want to go. And we, you know, it's crazy to say this, but at the time we thought, you know, the pandemic will probably have a way better grasp of that. And, you know, here we are several months later, but hey, at least sports are back. At least they still are running the race. It's going to feel you know, like, okay, some sense of normalcy, just knowing that it's running. But at the same time, you know, for people who live in Louisville Derby, the race itself is a fraction of what it means culturally. And for the people who live here, I mean, we, we have a thing called the Kentucky Derby Festival and just all leading up to the Derby, just so many amazing events from your pop and circumstance red carpet to your really fun family friendly event that you can bring the kids to. And all of that stuff is canceled. And so I think here it's like, okay, maybe a little bit of relief that we're having it, but what makes it so special is kind of gone. So I was just having this conversation the other day. I almost forgot the Derby was running because all of the things around it just aren't happening. So for instance, I'm going to go watch it with some family that I have in town here, and it'll be a small group of us sitting outside with a little TV screen. And at the end of the day, maybe what makes Derby the most special is that time that you're spending with your family and your friends. So we're still going to get that aspect of it, which I love, but you know, you're not going to be at the betting booth. You're not going to be ordering a mint julep. You're going to be, if you're, if you're a betting person, you'll be placing the bets on your phone and making your own mint juleps at your kitchen counter. And your heart goes out to the people whose livelihood depends on the Derby year in and year yeah. out and make good money off that for their respective businesses too. So it's, you can't help but think about those people where this is something that they rely on every single year as an international event. Yeah, well, and, and it's twofold, right? So you have some people will say, ah, well, don't feel bad. They make so much money anyway in relation to Churchill Downs as an organization. But then you got to think that organization they, they might have a lot of money, but, but the, your favorite person at the betting booth or the guy who's taking care of the horse in the stable or the guy who's feeding the horses or, you know, these, these families that have built generations of just livelihood off of working in the service industry tied around the derby and chill down to the track. The, they're the people who you really have to feel for because how do you fill that gap right now? And just to give the listeners a little bit of perspective here, the last time the Kentucky Derby wasn't on the first Saturday in May was 75 years ago. It was 1945, and the U.S. government had put a temporary ban on horse racing because of World War II. Daniel, I also wanted to ask you as well, I know as part of your anchoring duties at WHAS that they've had you do live coverage from the infield are you doing that again this year? Kind of what's, what's the plan? What's the strategy as we are less than a week away from the Kentucky Derby? So, uh, no. And there are so many people who are worried about so many things. So I don't complain about this because it's, you know, what, it, what is a woe is me situation on the grand scale of things right now? But no. So normally I would anchor from the infield every single morning leading up to the Derby the entire week. Um, and then we would do a really big show the morning of Oaks Day, the day before the Derby. And then on Derby Day, we have a really big special. And so, you know, I would be the entire week and Saturday working uh, from the infield doing coverage of the Derby. And, and I did it for the first time last year, and it was just such an amazing experience. And it's one of those things that makes you think like, gosh, this is a special place to be able to work. Who, who gets 
the opportunity to go sit every morning as the sun's coming up and watch these horses train. And so the way it works now is just like they're not allowing fans, they're limiting media. So our station, who has basically been told forever, you know, how many press passes do you want, was now kind of told, hey, you get this many. So we're not doing live coverage the week of leading up to the Derby on Oaks Day. You know, it's, it's for the Phillies and it's, it's, it's a day to celebrate cancer survivors and, and women. And so my co-anchor, who's a female, will be doing that. And then our longtime legacy anchor will be doing the Derby show on Derby Day. And you're just going to see, whereas before everybody at the station found a way to be a part of our Derby coverage, now it is a skeleton of, of what it normally is. And understandably so. To the people who run Churchill Downs, get Daniel Sackton back on the infield. Daniel, I'll advocate on your behalf. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's something where, wow. And it's, it just shows you that it's a sign of the times. It's completely understandable why that's happening right now. But again, it goes back to how we're really in an unprecedented time right now. Daniel, another thing yeah. I want to ask you about too, and I'm not asking you to speak on behalf of them, but you were mentioning some of the protests and everything with relation to Breonna Taylor and the Black Lives Matter movement. I read online that the Louisville mayor, Greg Fisher, is not attending the Derby this year. The governor, the last I read, was still undecided. Just kind of what is the rationale? What is the thought process behind that in terms of those leaders, those Louisville leaders and Kentucky leaders not deciding to attend this year's Derby? So I, I, I wouldn't be able to assume why they're, they're doing that. But, but I guess one thing I would say is, you know, Governor Bashir has been, you know, you can, you can look it up online and Google it. And he's kind of been seen as one of the strong leaders in terms of handling of COVID. So based on everything he said and everything he's done, it wouldn't really make sense for him to say, hey, guys, it's not safe for us to have the Derby this year and then for him to show up. Right. It just it wouldn't make sense. And then um, as far as protests around the Derby go, a lot of the sentiment behind that is how can you really celebrate during this time of social unrest that we're seeing? And so I also could see how from someone who maybe is, uh, you know, helping Mayor Fisher make decisions, do you want to look like you're a part of a celebration when your city's in such unrest? So I don't know why they chose to do that, whether it's leading by example, whether it's just not wanting to have a, a bad PR look. But, uh, but if I were leading a city or a state and, and it was in a, the time that we're in right now, I would feel kind of out of touch showing up to something like that. Again, just to give listeners perspective, the Kentucky governor traditionally presents the trophy to the Derby winner. That happens every single year. And so, again, looks like that's, that's kind of up in the air right now in terms of, again, the mayor has decided not to attend the Derby. The governor still undecided. So we'll see what happens there. And it's hard to break that tradition. It's, yeah, like, it's like you said, yeah. these are traditions that aren't broken. So at the same time, while you, you have to balance what – what means more to the people that you serve? Is it the tradition? Is it leading by example? I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. And it's, again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before too, Daniel, is when you have 146 years, you're not just talking years and years. You're not talking just decades and decades. You're talking about generations of tradition. And so that's kind of, you know, again, when our buddy Durbin moved there, we were so excited where it's like, look, man, 
this is in your backyard and this is something that we can tell our kids one day that we went to the Kentucky Derby and that two years ago in 2018, we saw Justify, a triple crown winner. And so that's something where it's like, just Daniel, I know you can't see this, but like my, my hair uh, on my arm perks up a little bit when I talk about yeah. that, just because I'll be able to tell my kids that one day that, yeah, your father was there to see the triple crown winner in 2018 with Justify, something that doesn't happen every single year. I mean, before American Pharaoh, it had been, what, 30, 40 years since the last triple crown winner. And so, again, it just goes back to that history of these races that are held and just to be a part of that and get to witness that. and to be with family and friends. It's something that is just year in and year out. It's a tremendous, tremendous celebration. Definitely. And, and, you know, I know this is a, is a sports talk podcast. And so for any sports fan out there, I, there are a lot of conversations that happen. Uh, some of these horses, like you just mentioned, some of these triple crown winners, there are conversations and debates that are essentially saying, do some of these horses deserve to be included in conversations of best athletes of all time? I mean, so just from an athletic perspective, it's, it's unbelievable. Some of these horses are flown in on, on private jets. I mean, we'll, occasionally we'll have a horse from Dubai come in and run the dirt. I mean, it is, it is a serious athletic feat. And someone who's never been to the Derby, one thing that you cannot capture on a camera is how intimidatingly large, muscular, and just unbelievably magnificent these horses are i mean the first time you see one in person you're like oh my god now i understand why 30 cameras are following this horse around i mean it's a amazing athlete and something that to the listeners i would also explain you talked a little bit about the oaks on friday and then on saturday the kentucky derby the main event is one of several races throughout the weekend which is something that i'll be honest with you i didn't really realize until i had attended that there are several races. And so when I was prepping for the pod today, Daniel, I saw NBC is going to have Kentucky Derby coverage from 2.30 to 7. And I'm like, how are they going to fill that much time? And okay, they've got other races to run. At the same time, you're going to have no fans present at Churchill Downs either. So I'm curious how they're going to fill, you know, whatever the math is on that five hours of broadcasting. But we'll see. I bet it'll be one of those situations um, where – you're going to get a really neat historical perspective throughout that whole time because, you know, you don't get the fan cutaway shots. You don't get the numbers of attendance, but you do get kind of the things we're talking about. Why what's happening this year is so historic. Why, why it's such a longstanding tradition. So I think you'll learn some really interesting stuff about the Derby, mostly because there's not going to be anything else to talk about besides the past. All right, Daniel, I promised this that we'd get to the horses. Tis the Law is listed as the favorite right now at minus 135. So if you're not familiar with betting, what that means is if you put $135 down, you'd win 100 back. So Tis the Law is the favorite right now. Let me get a few of these other odds. Bob Baffert's entries, authentic in 1,000 words, authentic at 10 to 1, 1,000 words at 12 to 1. Daniel, I'll be honest with you. I, I could go down the list of horses. I usually just bet on the favorite and sit back, relax, and watch my friends make fools of themselves. Uh, are there any horses that you like in this year's race? So, no, not particularly. And I'm not saying I don't like any of them. I'm saying I don't have a favorite because what, I, what I've done in the past, I get to spend, you know, five days out on the backside watching these horses. And then naturally, you just go like, yeah, 
that one, like last year for me, it was Tacitus, which didn't really like do anything, but I was just like, what a magical horse. That's my guy. And now, you know, I can't do that. And so what I've learned and what I was told really quickly is everyone is an expert on horse betting, everyone. So you can walk, you know, on a normal derby, you can walk up and you can ask a trainer, you can ask your aunt's cousin's friend's sister, or you can ask <laughs> the lady who makes your mint julep. And they all know who's going to win. And they don't just know who's going to win. They know who you should put in an exacta box and why. <laughs> so so my, my advice to anyone who's thinking about betting is have fun. Don't plan on winning. So because you're not going to be on the infield this year, who are you going to for recon, Daniel? Like, how are you going to do this research now that, you know, your boots actually aren't on the ground at Churchill Downs? So I can't, I can't give um, specifics away, but I, I have a family member, uh, a sort of a crazy uncle, if you will. And he's seen every single derby for the past, uh, like 40 or 50 years. And I don't believe that everyone's a true expert in betting, but this guy's done enough of it to be pretty good. So what I like to do is talk to him before these races, and he's looking at things like not who the favorite is, but today is a soggy day. Which of these past horses ran in the past five races on a soggy track with this percent humidity? And I'm never going to look into it that much, so I'm kind of like, hey, man, what are you doing? And I'm quietly making those same bets myself. Sounds like we'll have to get one of your meteorologists on to tell us about the humidity or whoever is there to tell us about the, how the infield is that day or how the track is that day and everything too. But it's crazy to me. The first year that Durbin and I went, we did not know what we were doing at all in terms of all the different bets that you can make in terms yeah. of win, winning, placing, showing the different exacta boxes you can pick, you know, your top two, your top three, pretty much any combination of bet that you want to make, you can make. And I'll tell you what, it's incredible to be at that betting booth as a winner, but then to see some of the other people who have placed wagers walk away with tens of thousands of dollars. It's unbelievable to see that in person. Well, let me put this into perspective for you. Uh, one of my friends, his first derby experience, and he loves to tell this story. I mean, it's a great story. It, and it's the perspective of any betting scenario, but he's got his beginner's luck. I think he made a small bet and actually ended up winning like 150 bucks. And he's so pumped and he's going in and he's cashing in and a guy beside him, they're tallying up for him. And they're like, you know, here you go, sir. Um, that's going to be, I think it's like 7,800, whatever. And my friend looks at him and goes, oh my God, congratulations. And the guy just looks at him deadpan and goes, no, no. So I don't know how much that guy lost, but people are betting big, big money. And, and you know, it's fun to be a beginner and to not do that. But there are some people who are, you know, putting the price of your car on the line here. Absolutely. And the strategy behind that, I'm assuming, I don't know the exact scenario with this, is that guy was probably hedging his bet, meaning he'll make one bet and then he'll make another bet just in case certain outcomes happen. You don't lose as much as you would just because of how much money, how much cash is flowing with wagers yep. that you make. So that that's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. <laughs> I, I just, I remember walking out and there was one guy walking away with tens of thousands of dollars and I'd just be like, I would want to like sprint away from Churchill Downs to make sure that no one gives you any trouble to have 
you know, that much cold, hard cash on you at any given time. I would just feel uncomfortable with that just because it's something I see every single year that I go. So that's why it, traditionally it's fun to go get the piece of paper from the, from the, from the betting booth. But what I actually prefer these apps because the apps are linked to your account. And so for a number of reasons, one, if you win accidentally $10,000, you're not walking around with a wad of cash <laughs> the rest of the day. Uh, that's the most important. But, you know, two, it's just, it's convenient because what you don't realize is things change. Things can get overturned. I mean, the Derby was overturned last year. Yep. And in one of the races before the actual Derby, there was an overturn. And so I was looking at my paper ticket and my horse didn't win and I threw it away and they overturned it and my horse won. But what you got to so, do, Daniel, is you got to be able to take a picture of your betting slip and then share that on social media to show people that you're a winner. I mean, if it, <laughs> it didn't happen on social media, did it really happen? That, that's, the, that's the pro of actually going to the betting booth and making, making a bet in person with cold, hard cash. Well, forget the, uh, forget the likes. I, I'll just take the direct deposit. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Daniel, final thoughts before I let you go here. This has been fun. Uh, you know, I, well, thanks for having me on. Um, like the show. I, uh, I would say final thoughts are, my dad loves to say this. If there's one thing that is reliable about the pandemic we're in right now, it is that we are living in a state of unpredictability. And so what I've learned is by human nature, we all love to speculate, like, what's this derby going to be like? What's this next sporting event going to be like? And as much as it is against our nature, I'm trying to find a way to hunker down, not make assumptions, not have expectations about anything, spend quality time with people. And so that would be my big takeaway, even for the derby, is I don't, I'm not going to let myself get upset that there's not fans. I'm not going to let myself get upset that I don't get to cover it from the track this year. I'm going to enjoy some time with family and friends. And uh, this memory will probably stand out. At, you know, maybe not your favorite derby, but um, one that's unique and one that you still got to spend that quality time during. Absolutely. Daniel, thank you so much for your time this morning to talk about the 146th Kentucky Derby. It'll be Saturday at Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky. To all the Stuck in Misery listeners, thank you for tuning in. Please go give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe. For WHAS 11 Anchor, Daniel Sexton, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you again for tuning in to Stuck in Misery. Take care. So long. We'll see you next time.